Well, hello there, uh, and welcome back to you and to me. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and this is the Critical Transit Podcast. Welcome back to Critical Transit. I am happy to be back. I have been traveling all over, uh, well, the beginning of the year at least, um, and I was in Minneapolis, I was in New York, in Philly, in Washington, and eventually wound up in Boston, where I spent most of my life, most of my adult life, uh, before taking off west. Uh, and so I'm back here, and I'm going to be working on some local transit advocacy, trying to get better uh, bus and train service, and of course the, the rest of the sustainable transportation picture safe facilities for walking, cycling, skating, and more. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to give you guys an update on uh, what I've been working on and uh, what's going to be here going forward. Um, I'm going to keep up with the site. I'm going to do uh, some short posts. i um, taking a lot of pictures of things and thinking about a lot of local examples. And one of the – it's kind of fitting because one of the problems I've often had in uh, – running a site that I thought of as like a national thing or like a, you know, big picture is it's, you know, without kind of local examples and local context, it can sometimes be tough to talk about things. So I think it's going to be especially interesting for people in the Boston area, but I think it's going to be interesting for everyone as well, because really wherever I've traveled around the U.S. is, is pretty much the same issues going on. You know, there's some different opportunities and some different challenges, specific places, but generally uh, it's the same issues that we're dealing with, whether it's, it's uh, you know, politicians being difficult about, you know, these parking stuff or, you know, we, we get, uh, you know, the car's not following laws and putting pedestrians and bicyclists in, in a lot of danger. You know, we get transit funding being cut and we get a lot of, you know, status quo, especially in a place like Boston that's, uh, you know, been very well established. And, uh, you know, when I came back here, I had been gone for two years and it kind of seems like not much had changed in the past two years um you know and then i start riding around you see you see things that have uh different projects that have begun or been completed and you can sort of see uh small bits of progress but uh it's interesting how things don't change much and there is very much a status quo and there's very much a comfort in that status quo um when i worked at some of the big transit agencies I, i often thought that you know there's just most of the people doing that are they're just doing it it's just a job for them and they're just not really wanting to try anything different um and they really just want to do the same thing they've been doing and partly because that's that's because they've been operating in crisis mode which which means it's so difficult to do day-to-day stuff and there's so many issues dealing with that they're dealing with day-to-day that they don't really have time to think about changing things, and partly it's because there's so many things that can go wrong when uh, when you change things, uh, and so many people who can be negatively impacted by changes. Of course, you have people that can be positively imp- imp- excuse me implemented, no, positively impacted by changes, uh, and so you know that's that's why you you want to mix things up, but. Here I'm back. Um, I'm working with a number of different individuals and groups. Um, working with uh, a friend and, and colleague to work on a, a project that uh, he's had going on for a while, and we're kind of sort of retooling it to really focus on Boston transit. 
Uh, it's called Transit Matters, and you can find out about it at transitmatters.info, and I have a podcast there as well. Uh, I'm going to be uploading those first couple of episodes to uh, this podcast feed, and so hopefully you can uh, enjoy that. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to be doing that from now on. I think that's so that uh, I think that's where I'll be putting my uh, podcast energy. It actually takes a lot of time to do the podcasting, and as much as I love talking about transit and other transportation issues, um, you know, and I can do that all day. It's it's not really the talking that takes the time. It's it's the you know the editing and the, the post processing and uploading the thing and you know writing the post and you know just dealing with all of the back end stuff that I just really I'm not a tech person, you know, and it's just so anyway, not to complain about that, but I just want you guys to just sort of I just want to throw that out there just so that, you know you know it's not like I'm uh, trying to uh, ignore this this project. Uh, I've been very busy moving around uh, with different different work projects and, and other things, trying to get myself set up here as well. So, um, so there's that. So I will share those those podcasts on here, and uh, and you can also find that at transitmatters.info/podcast. Also working with a number of local groups uh, such as the Livable Streets Alliance uh, and Boston Cyclists Union and uh, some other groups trying to make a difference on the streets in the city. And I think there's a real vacuum for uh, a real opportunity for uh, transit advocacy, for focused transit advocacy. And, uh, you know, people within the, the transit culture seem to understand this, that there's a lot, there are a lot of missed opportunities. And, you know, in a city where the majority of people get around by modes that are not cars, uh, the city still basically plans for cars. And, you know, you can see this in the roadway design. It's always, oh, you know, we need X lanes to move this current volume of traffic, even though traffic volumes have been decreasing by one percent a year, by several percent a year. Um, you know, we still have to plan for this 1% perpetual increase. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. And then there's still, the city is still requiring parking, uh, accompanying all these new developments everywhere. We've seen a lot of new developments going up in different parts of Boston, um, uh, South Boston, for example, being a you know getting a lot of it, but also in Alston and other areas where you're seeing a lot you know high end luxury condos and uh, you know just these big buildings, but they're also having a lot of parking added. And every time somebody proposes uh, a project that doesn't have any additional parking spaces, they could they could make it a building with six apartments. It doesn't have any uh, car parking, and then all the neighbors just flip the fuck out. And they come to the public meeting, and you know, and they just they start calling the mayor, and they just freak out. Oh, where am I going to park my car? All these new people can you know. And obviously, there's some entitlement in that of uh, you know, I, I have the right to this you know piece of public land for my personal private property. Um, I like to give the analogy of, you know, like my my backpack is kind of big and it takes up a lot of space. But, you know, if I just put it out on the street and expect it to, to, for it to be there when I got back and uh, nobody messed with it and I shouldn't have to pay for that privilege, um, you know, it's that would be laughed at. But, you know, we have these cars that have so many problems. And not to mention all the, you know, the induced driving that comes from these free parking so if you remember back in episode 14 of Critical Transit, I talked to uh, Rachel Weinberger, who was uh, researching um, parking minimums and particularly residential parking permit requirements. And uh, that's a big problem here as well, as in most cities. Um, this, this idea that, you know, you can, you can get a permit to park your car on 
the, the street, either where you live or surrounding streets or sometimes the whole city. And, uh, you know, it costs like $10 a year or something, some nominal cost that doesn't anywhere near pay for the, the construction and the maintenance and the enforcement of all these officers that are going around and, and looking to see, you know, which cars don't have resident permits so they can get tickets. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're paying for a good part of that that's not coming out of that that fee. Um, not to mention staffing the office has got to deal with that, you know, all these costs that are that are involved. So um, not to go too much on that, that tangent, but, I mean, the city is still very much run as if everybody drives cars and we want everybody to drive cars. And so I'm looking to do my part to try to change that. And Boston's sort of a unique position compared to a lot of cities, uh, similar cities, like you could think of like Philadelphia and Chicago and possibly even New York uh, to some degree. Yeah, Boston has, it's, I mean, it's the city itself is, is a decent size, but technically the city of Boston doesn't include uh, the north side of the river, Cambridge is Cambridge, where MIT and Harvard and a bunch of other stuff are located. Obviously, it's a big, vibrant city, uh, which feels like Boston. And uh, also the, the town of Brookline, the city of Somerville, the city of Medford, uh, and the cities of Chelsea, Revere, Everett, Newton, uh, and, and several others, um, you know, that all form what people think of as Boston. And, you know... It's it's different than a place like New York or Chicago or Philadelphia that has this just huge amount of land and it's all controlled by the city. This matters here. This this distinction matters here because it means they're separate governments. So you know, while Cambridge, for example, has been very one of one of the nation's leaders, in fact, on, uh, on pedestrian planning and bicycle planning. Um, you know, they have bike lane, a lot of bike lanes, and it's very it's well comparably very bike friendly in Cambridge. Uh, even though somebody just got a uh, bike just got hit by a garbage truck yesterday, uh, which is not the first time that's happened in the area, and uh, I don't know, we'll see. I'll follow up on that. See if something's being done about that. But um, so these these different cities all have different agendas and different politics, and there's different stuff going on in, in different places. But for the most part, they kind of follow the lead of Boston, the big city. In terms of you know things like the design of the streets and the fact that Boston for years uh, didn't you know you, you made you push the button to cross this to get the walk signal and you know often it takes three minutes to push the button. I think I've explained this before. Basically, like you have to push the button and there's a certain time in the cycle where the walk signal is allowed. And if you just missed it, well, too bad. You might have to wait two or three minutes. There's a particularly egregious example in Somerville, in Davis Square, the busiest place in Somerville uh, for pedestrians, and where, you know, it's there's like six different crossings that you have to make, and you get 30 seconds every three minutes. So, you know, that's a just one example of the way a lot of these cities just kind of follow what Boston has done. And Boston did that for years, and um, supposedly they have a better policy now of making it automatic and shorter signals and, you know, concurrent with the green light and whatever, but they don't, they're not really implementing it very well. So they're kind of ignoring their policies. A big project we have going on is here is right now is uh, Commonwealth Avenue. Um, it feels weird. Everybody calls it Comav over here. And so, uh, this is, this is just a street reconstruction project. Like, uh, you know, in a lot of places when, they uh, you know have to dig and replace utilities, and they're going to rebuild the curbs and the street and stuff. 
And, you know, that's an opportunity to think differently, to, to do things a little differently, to, you know, move, to move, say, what are the deficiencies here? And can we have, you know, the curb extensions and, you know, new, new crossings and, you know, better signals and, you know, uh, cycle tracks or, um, we have better transit, uh, bus lanes. There's a, there happens to be a, the green line, the, the light rail, you know, our, our light rail here is a, the busiest light rail in the country. Uh, runs down the middle of this section of Comamp, and um, the city is basically doing nothing to improve it. So, this is one of the things that we're we're trying to you know look at an opportunity for thinking differently. The city's plan essentially is well, let's just put back what we have now. And you know, it's a very dangerous area. A lot of bikes and pedestrians have been hit there over the years, and, uh, and there's been I believe there's been at least one bike fatality over in that section um there's a tiny little bike lane like completely in the door zone right next to the parked cars uh so there's basically unusable in most spots and um i've often said you know when bike touring i've often said that you know the only thing worse than uh no shoulder is an unusable shoulder the same thing is true with bike lanes right it's you know, if, if it's full of debris, if it's right next to the parked cars, um, if, you know, if there's some other hazard to it and you can't use it, all the drivers, they want you to use it, they expect you to use it, so then you're going to get a lot of harassment and, you know, close passing and stuff like that, and it's just, that's not cool. So, um, so anyway, what you're trying to do, what I'm trying to do here is, is think a little, think a little bit bigger, sort of go back to the drawing board and, and say, you know, what, what can we do to really improve the, infrastructure that we're providing here and to make it work for what our, our goals are for sustainability, complete streets, and, and also just looking at, you know, 30% of the, of uh, people on this corridor, this particular Kamehav corridor are driving as the same, that's, actually, that's less than the number of people using uh, public transit uh, and walking. It's a major university there. There's uh, about 30, about a third of the people on the corridor are using uh, transit, about a third of the people are walking and uh, less than a third of driving, and you know, and biking is like seven percent, even though it's super dangerous. And so, when you look at when you look at that this corridor as as being an exa- as ex- an example of the the kind of places that we've built over the the past half century or so, where it's just dangerous out there, and the green line is super slow, as is the number fifty seven bus that goes along on the same corridor. Um, and splits off at a further point, um, or actually at the end of the corridor. And it's super dangerous. It takes so long to use transit. There's very poor crossings. There's a lot of places where people kind of run across the street, and then they have to run across the tracks in a, you know, in a, non, in, in, in a place that's not a designated crossing, and uh, which is very dangerous. Um, but they it's right in front of a supermarket. They pretty much... There's not really uh, any other alternative. You know, the alternative is walking like a five-minute detour uh, and dealing with these push-button pedestrian signals. So, you know, thinking about stuff like this, and even with this, the current conditions, you're getting the majority of people are not driving, but the majority of space is given to cars, and that's what we need to, to change. So. so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to look, uh, you know, move the city in, in that direction. And uh, if you want to join me in that that uh, effort, uh, definitely get in touch, reach out. Um, I still have feedback at criticaltransit.com. It's the place to reach me. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. I've been posting a lot on Twitter. Uh, no, not posting. Uh, tweeting. Excuse me. Um, I sound like an old person now. Uh, and I actually really like Twitter. I think, think it's, a, it's a really good way to get information on uh, you know certain topics that you're interested in. But with the caveat that uh, just like a lot of other modern sources of information and social media, you know, you're picking who you're following. So, you know, it's sort of like you only get, you know, you only hear from the people you agree with kind of, if that's how you set it up. And there's always a danger in that. Um, I have a critical transit on, on Facebook as well. Uh, Facebook.com slash critical transit, as you might think. Um, I don't use that a whole lot, but I, uh, I've been tweeting a lot and it kind of gets re, um, posted on Facebook syndicated. Maybe, I don't know what I post on Twitter. gets posted on Facebook. So, um, I don't know if anybody's going there. If you're going there, let me know. I have a few people I think who've used Facebook over the years. Uh, hopefully you're still listening. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to mention you by name, but, uh, you know who you are and you're awesome. So yeah, I guess, uh, follow me on Twitter at critical transit and, uh, you know, you can reach out on, on the website, criticaltransit.com as well. Get in touch. Let me know what you would like to hear going forward because, um, I'm, I'm open to ideas and suggestions for, uh, future podcasts. Uh, I'm thinking something like once a month for podcasts, maybe once a week or more for, uh, for blog posts. Um, not that I am partial to blog posts, but just because they require a lot less work. Uh, that's the main thing. I would have a podcast every day if I, if I could, but ultimately I have to work and pay the bills. So, uh, you know, I have not uh, found a job just uh, riding my bike forever. And uh, that'd be really cool if you could bring in a source of income while you were bike touring and you just get like, uh, you attach one of those, uh, well, I have a generator hub on my bike for the lights, but you could attach like a, like a USB charger and just, you know, charge your laptop and, you know, you can have, now that you have, uh, you can get internet everywhere, right? So, um, or even just like pop in towns and get Wi-Fi, do your work and then just like, you know, just bike tour. And uh, that would be really cool. But, uh, or transit touring, but then you, it's probably transit touring is a lot more expensive because you have to pay for the tickets and stuff. But I don't know. Maybe you don't, you don't have to eat a lot. You don't have to eat as much when you're taking transit. I know when I bike, I, I eat so much that I sort of wonder if it's uh, cost effective. Anyway, uh, if you have thoughts on that or anything else, please get in touch via the aforementioned ways. And, uh, I look forward to hearing from what your ideas are and, uh, what, what you want to hear going forward. And if you have things that are going on in your community or elsewhere that you want to talk about, uh, you think should be a good topics and let me know. So yeah, that's all I got for right now. Um, thank you for listening and I hope you will stay tuned and stay involved as, uh, this, this project kind of evolves into its kind of natural, well, maybe unnatural, I don't know, progression. Anyway, uh, that's that's all I got. Um, so, thank you for listening. Have a great day and exit at the rear. And thank your bus driver. Okay, bye. <laughs>